Howdy. If you haven't already, make sure to follow us on all the socials. We are at History and Film on Instagram and HIF Pod on Twitter. My personal Twitter account is at TrackNerds, and you can always email me at Simmons at TrackNerds.com. Enjoy the show. Okay, so this is kind of our second week in a row dealing with feminism around the world in a way. Last week with Mulad and this week with Waja, which was a film that I found absolutely charming and endearing and just kind of fell in love this, with. It was a really cute movie. Yes. And so it dealt with, it's, it's in Saudi Arabia dealing with a young girl. I think they said she's about... 10 to 11 ish, you know, yeah. and she just really wants a bicycle, but girls aren't allowed to ride bicycles. And so it's just kind of her dealing well, with, it, yeah, not, not necessarily not allowed. Um, no, it's just, it's it's just not upon. really, it's just kind right. of outside of the social norm. And that actually deals with a lot of the things as we're going to talk about Saudi Arabia at large and its treatment of women. That's kind of what the whole thing is. A lot of it's maybe even less about the law and more about the social norms. But yeah, let's we'll get to the movie first and, and get to that. But yeah, that's that's a good point. A lot of it's just it's not that you're not allowed. It's just that it's not considered OK. So like she would doesn't get in trouble. Right. It's just whenever she talks about wanting to ride the bike or buy the bike, everyone just kind of laughs at her or not, not laugh. Well, they, they do kind of laugh at her, but they just kind of think, oh, what a, yeah, yeah, what a, what a, what a weird little kid. Right. Her friends think she's either kidding or it's kind of a a silly thought. Her mom gets a little more upset. But then, and then the teach. Well, we're, we're, we're kind of cutting ahead there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, the, honestly, it comes down to the performances are just so strong that everything works. So the little girl is just kind of captivating. She just has good screen presence and this smirk. And that's how, so. What I, the big, biggest thing I got from this movie, and again, this movie highlights something I've felt for a long time of just how important it is to watch movies and read books from other cultures and this Mm -hmm. just had that in spades and really highlighted that and the the note i wrote down was that in looking at these different societies it seems like sometime even if the big things are different it's the little things that are the same which is going to be the opposite i was going to say the same thing that this this is a good movie that to illustrate that kind of you know, you can focus on the differences. And and a lot of times that's what people focus on when they're talking about other cultures and other societies, people from other countries. But there's so much in this movie that is like universal to the human experience. Yeah. Like her relationship to her mom, her, you know, messing around with her friends, you know, being this like precocious kind of uh, almost a rebel at school, like that stuff that anyone has experienced. But, you know, this, this story just happens to be told in, in Saudi Arabia. And, and there are obviously aspects of the story that are unique to Saudi culture, but right. a lot of the big, a lot of the broad brushstrokes of the story are, are universal. Right. So I think it, it just goes to show that we have a lot more in common than I think people realize or, or, or at least think about. Exactly. Because they focus on the difference or the media and politicians and everybody focuses on the differences. But how again? How she acts with her mom at home and no one else is around? Exactly the same. Yep. How how the kids tease each other at school? Exactly the same. And it's just kind of just 
fascinating to to see that on screen and yeah so the differences obviously do come into play with how women are treated but the art at all girls school is is fascinating to see that overlap where things are like oh it's it's like it's exactly the same with her mom at home and then oh but then they go outside and mom has to put on the whole full abaya to be completely covered right because that's the social norm but then at home their home is western it's like their dad's playing video games like call of duty or something at one point yeah and another one of the examples of this that you see is when so like at the school you know you see the girls will like tease each other and like they uh you know they they make like little giggly jokes when the teacher's talking about you know them getting their period or whatever but then in like the next scene they're like teasing this girl because she just got married and she's like 11 years old right and they're like teasing her because she just got married to a 20 year old guy right which, and you know. so it's like, because, right, that's so bizarre here and there. It's just normal enough that they're teasing her like you would tease anybody about getting a new boyfriend. That's like, right. you got a new husband. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's just, it's just the norm over there. But yeah, what, so I, what I love about Waja is just, she has this ornery smirk the whole time and she's sarcastic mm-hmm. and rambunctious and a bit of a tomboy. And it's just a neat performance and just a charming character that again, does not feel like something you would think of from a girl in Saudi Arabia. She almost feels like a Mark Twain character in a lot of mm-hmm. ways with how just kind of ornery she is. So yeah, so the whole whole plot is she sees she sees this bike and she wants this bike and she's she's trying to make money. She's she's selling bracelets she makes at home to girls at school. She's actually even like scamming money off of the the girl that wants to meet the the teenage girl that wants to meet the teenage boy and so like yeah. she has Waja smuggle the pass that somehow allows her him to pick her up and she yeah. basically gets money off of both ends of them like tells the guy oh she said you'd give me some money but like yeah right. she already gave you the money anyway yeah and just so she's kind of lying there just kind of always scamming money that way but yeah and then so ultimately they have they advertise that there's going to be a contest at school to learn the Quran for mm-hmm. like a payday that would basically pay for the bike. So if she right. wins this Quran recitation, memorization kind of competition at school. Well, and it's even like yeah. she she almost is like investing in her own success because she's saving up all this money and she gets like, because the, the bike costs, it was 800, right? Eight, 800 of whatever their currency was, right. Yes, yeah. 800 Saudi Rial. And so she saving up and she gets to like 125 or something. And then she finds out that the cash prize for the contest is, um, is 1,000 Rial. So she takes her 125 and spends. Well, I think it was about 80. It was it was 80, but she she tells a shopkeeper, "What about 62?" And he sells it to her. But it's a it's like a <laughs> basic it's like a PlayStation game that teaches you about the Quran. Right. So she right. pays. She spends some of her money to like get this PlayStation game to learn the Quran better, so she can win the competition. <laughs> and just how frustrated she is at first, and so and that's the thing too. It's like. Remember, other countries are like our country as far as there's different levels of devotion to religion. So it's like she's not particularly devout at all. She really doesn't know much about the Quran. Of course, they also kind of focus on how it's it is a tricky text to get through, especially for kids with the way things are worded and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just it is is kind of a tough read. But yeah, she's trying to do this video game. It's just getting like so frustrated because she doesn't know anything yet. I think she like kind of, you know, throws the controller in in frustration at one point. But but she just kind of she's she's stubborn. She's she's not a. Again, she's just so adorable in the sense that she's so non-conforming, even within the standard non-conforming. Because a lot of the girls are wearing Western clothes under under their Muslim attire, and yeah. all of them are wearing black shoes, though. But then Waja's got like these Converse 
sneakers yeah. and even when the teacher says you need to wear black shoes like Which the other that, girls they sure are taking a sharpie to them that reminded me of sing street yes yes it's right with the brown shoes like the exact yeah, same thing yeah. yeah and and i like how they didn't even they didn't even shine a spotlight on it like when they show her taking a sharpie to the shoes that's not even the point of the scene like it's getting ready to talk about something else so it's like right. it's almost like a side thing that yeah. said change her shoes or wear black shoes like else she's just taking a sharpie to her converse and it's just kind of again fun and charming and because she is kind of so stubborn and is naturally she's a very bright girl who's just not a great student because she's not focused so once this right. contest has this thousand real whatever prize and she gets focused she kind of pulls like this little upset and gradually becomes just better and better. Like she's the worst student in the little Quran class at yeah. first because she just is so unfamiliar with it and doesn't yeah. understand how to pronounce any of the words. And, and it's it's kind of funny too that the teacher is because she there's a, a scene where she like looks upset and the teacher asks her like what's wrong or something and and she says well this is this is difficult for me like I don't you know it's, it's hard for me to pronounce these words. You know, but I'm gonna keep trying. And the teachers like commends her for being like so faithful, so driven, and so and so devout. <laughs> right. When in reality, she's only doing it to get a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> right, and uh, and yeah, we'll go ahead and kind of spoil the ending here. So to the point that yeah, she she does it. They they kind of do like I thought at first it was gonna be like a everyone recited the whole thing that they had to memorize. It's more like no, they kind of do trivia questions yeah. based on those things within a recital at the end. So you basically memorize these first four books or whatever of the Quran, and then they st- they start asking trivia questions about what does this phrase say or what does this word mean, and then at the end you have to do like a full recitation of okay, mm-hmm. basically just start saying it from this point, and you have to have it all memorized because you aren't going to know ahead of time what point. Right. And the girl who is the favorite kind of just just slipped up and then that opened the door for Waja who's kind of just come on late and she just she nails it and then wins the prize but then the teacher just kind of casually asks oh so what do you what do you plan on doing with the money and then yep. Waja because she doesn't know any better is like oh I'm gonna buy a bike yep. and the whole crowd starts laughing because girls yep. don't do that and to the point the teacher says oh then we're just gonna donate the money to Palestine in your name because yep. girls don't ride bikes yeah and I'm like no <laughs> She did all this for the bike, and then that happens. Yep. So then she, so she goes home and talks to her mom. And there's this, there's a kind of a, a B plot with her mom right. dealing with her dad because her her mom uh, can't have kids anymore. Right. And they they mentioned that uh, she almost died in childbirth, giving birth to Waja, and the dad wants to have a son, but the mom can't can't uh, have any kids, so. She's kind of upset because the dad's mom, which we don't actually see, but we hear them argue about it. The dad's mom is like urging him to take a second wife to try and get to have a son. And so when Waja comes home, well, so that's like a this whole thing is like, no, it's kind of throughout. Yeah, the, the, the mom is like they go to the mall and the mom is like dress shopping to buy like a pretty dress to try and, you know, I guess convince the dad, you know, that he that he doesn't need anyone else. Right, right. So Waja comes home and they're having this there's like a big wedding celebration going on kind of like out in front of their house and they're they're up on the roof. And she said, "Oh, I, I didn't I thought my uncle's wedding wasn't until like a month from now." And the mom says, "This isn't your uncle's wedding." And kind of, you know, Waja then realizes that it's her right. dad getting married to another woman. So Waja says, "Well, just, you know, go buy that dress and win him back. And then the mom says, well, you know, I, it's too late now. And also I spent the money. And then she turns the light in the garage on 
and the the bike is in there and then you know they hug and she and she tells the the mom tells Wadja you're you're all that I have now and uh man that was yeah no I I don't know I was like oh it, it did it it did it it's like yep. I teared up it, it got me <laughs> it was like the kid getting his tank at the end of life is beautiful yes. when Wadja gets her bike exactly and well and actually the the part was almost, that was almost even sweeter was so she kind of had watch it had been, goes by the shop where the bike is like mm-hmm. on a daily basis and kind of just has this like teasing relationship with the shop owner who just right. kind of smiles at her and that's who she bought the game from right and he she keeps telling him you know I'm gonna buy this bike and he kind of like laughs it off every time but she's like right, I'm serious right. don't don't sell this bike I'm gonna buy it <laughs> and then when the mom did go just finally go and get it. She's like, yeah, yeah, the shopkeeper said he'd been saving it for a, a month or so for some spunky little girl. And yep. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so it's like you felt really cool about that shop owner. So, yeah, so even though culturally bike riding is not a thing for girls, even the male shop owner had no problem selling it to the mom, knowing it was going to go to the girl. So, again, it's these things that aren't necessarily laws as much as they're customs and just cultural, yeah. cultural expectations. Yeah. And we do see her racing her... I don't want to say boyfriend, her her male friend who does yeah, her, tease. Her relationship with that boy is kind of cute too, because at the beginning, they're yeah. you know he's like bullying her almost, he, uh, yeah. kind of like yeah, but I mean, yeah, but in a teasing way, yeah, yeah they're and, friends. And, and you can tell they're friends. Teasing way, and but you you know he after she you know loses or after she wins the competition but loses the the money, she's like you know visibly upset, and he's you know sees her walking home and talks to her, and he offers to give her his bike, right. But she's like, but then we can't race. Right, right. And then she says, no, because if you, you know, but how, how would we race? And yeah, and, and that's when he when he says, well, you know, just so you know, when we get older, I'm going to marry you. And Right. And she doesn't say no. It's just kind of this sweet little right. thing because they're both yeah. like 11. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of, yeah, it's, it's a sweet little friendship. Yeah. And when she does get her bike, then she she rides by and he sees her on the bike and he's like playing with his friends and he immediately is like. Heck yeah. Just <laughs> runs away from his friends and gets on his bike and goes and races her. Yeah. And this whole thing was, there's a lot of humor in it. And mm-hmm. like with the the boys putting up political posters for his uncle or whatever that's running for office. And he's got like <laughs> this giant mustache. And yeah. they're just like making all kinds of jokes up about the mustache. It, it looks, I mean, it's, and it, it is kind of an insane mustache. It looks like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. it looks like Dr. Robotnik. Like it's. Oh yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just, just how clever Waja is. And she's so sarcastic. and. I don't know. It just, it was a charming. And of course, then too, did you see that? So remember, movies are like brand new in Saudi Arabia. Well, well a couple of things like the theaters like just opened like in 2018, I think. Yeah. And yeah. this was, I well, two things. I'm pretty sure I read it's the first full length movie made by Saudi Arabia. I'm pretty sure I read that. And then for sure, it's the first ever Saudi woman to Mm-hmm. direct a film so it's so this film was written and directed by a saudi woman mm-hmm. so and, and and from 2012 so very very neat accomplishment there and she's directed some other stuff this does appear to be her her strongest film it is a 99 percent on rotten tomatoes so we are we're not blowing smoke this is a movie you need to check out no oscar nominations but again I, i'm just going to chalk it up to part of the futility of the best foreign language film yeah. and maybe it's a little too after school especially you could argue but at the same time i thought yeah, it, it totally worked it, it it totally works but i, I can i i mean I, I i didn't i haven't seen any of the the movies that did get nominated that year it was i've the, seen a couple it was the saudi selection for the academy okay it just didn't right, get nominated right. 
Correct. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it is because it's it has that kind of yeah that after school special feel, with, and it's it's not really doing any. It's not tackling a subject matter that's like you know anything crazy. It's just uh, right. It's a sweet little character story about right. about this girl. So a, a more one, and that was a pretty good one. I think about a lady dealing with Alzheimer's. I, I forget. I might be getting some movies confused there. But Contiki got nominated that year. It's better than Contiki. For sure. Okay. Yeah. And I haven't seen the other three. But I, I was like, I know I knew there was one that we that was actually already on our list that beat it out for a nomination. That I, I think this was far more deserving than Contiki for that nomination. But yeah, uh, great movie. You need to check it out. And then I wanted to segue into talking just a little bit more about uh, Saudi Arabia. Obviously, we've been in this part of the world before with Lawrence of Arabia and even mm-hmm. going back to something with like the messenger it was set in what is now Saudi Arabia with all of his battles in Mecca and Medina and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So Saudi Arabia has that monarchy that struck oil in the 30s, 1930s. Yeah. And then that basically just made the whole, well, not the whole country because it's kind of just the royal family that owned a lot of that yeah. oil, at least at least initially. But they, that, but that was bringing in so much money that it still just kind of helped stimulate the economy overall and then also then led to this close-knit relationship with the united states so despite obviously a lot of the issues we have with the treatment of women and other humanitarian issues in saudi arabia because of their oil we've always just maintained a strong political relationship with them over many of the other middle eastern countries yeah the, the the united states has a has a weird relationship with saudi arabia where yeah obviously things like human rights you know women's rights Things like capital punishment there, you know, are, are all issues, even stuff like, uh, you know, accusations of like state sponsored terrorism. So, right. You know, right. organizations like Al Qaeda and um, ISIS, like on, for instance, on 9 11, like 15 of the 19 hijackers and Osama bin Laden are all Saudi. Saudi now, that's not necessarily right. to say that that means that Saudi Arabia was sponsoring them, but, you know, that it's, it's just stuff like that that, kind of strains that relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia a little bit. However, that being said, uh, the United States does sell a lot of weapons and military equipment and provide a lot of military assistance to Saudi Arabia. And, and it is, it's because they, they're the biggest producers of, of oil. Yeah, I, I forget the numbers, but yeah, basically when they struck oil, I think it was 1938, mm-hmm. virtually overnight... We realized, you know, we being the world realized that Saudi Arabia had like, oh, half of all the oil in the world was just like buried under Saudi Arabia. It was just yeah. just as a ridiculous amount of petroleum, you know, a couple decades into cars being a thing and planes being a thing. And now you realize they're just sitting on the world's largest reserve of oil. And so just just the money it brought in was unreal. And so they've they've been on the headlines recently. So. The crown prince right now, uh, Mohammed bin Salam, uh, Salman, is it, I thought it was Salam, but yeah, Sol- Salman, how do you say that? Mohammed bin Salman? That didn't sound right. Anyway, you often hear him called uh, MBS. So he's kind of, quote unquote, running the country right now, even though his dad is still the king, but he's kind of just been taking a lot of charge. And so they have... It's tricky because they have lessened a lot of the restrictions. Basically, it's kind of like we talk about with marijuana in the United States, where they're just kind of decriminalize some things. So just in the last couple of years, movie theaters have opened up, women mm-hmm. have been allowed to drive, and they've just kind of gotten less strict on some of the religious policing things. 
So I was watching some YouTube videos just kind of talking about, yes, it's still culturally the norm for women to be fully covered in an abaya, but it's becoming more and more common to see women, even in Riyadh, just walking around in jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And more so, too, it does sound like uh, Jeddah in the West is way more liberal than Riyadh. It's kind of more in the in the center. So there's also a lot more women in the workplace than there was even just 10, 20 years ago. And I was watching a YouTube video about female entrepreneurs in Saudi Arabia and there's women owned businesses. And yes, they're still kind of mostly covered, but there's, they're, just, they're getting a little more autonomy. Jeddah specifically, this guy had a YouTube channel where he's just sitting down at a cafe outdoor with three Saudi women, just kind of chatting. And what's also fascinating is, and I noticed this before with, uh, it's actually the, the King of Jordan, but just the education over there is actually very, very high. And if you are of means in the Arab world, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, wherever, there's a great chance that you speak English without an accent. So not just that they speak yeah, fluent English, that they have no accent. That's that's something that's kind of uh, kind of interesting about that. You know, about yeah, educated people from that from countries like that, from from Jordan, from Saudi Arabia, they'll uh, a lot of them will speak English like with a British accent. Oh, it'll be okay, like, right. You know, Oxford or Cambridge educated. True. And that's kind of what I guess I meant by no accent. But yeah, it's right, right. It's flawless English. Yes. Like it's interesting and kind of unexpected. I remember that when I first I saw the the King of Jordan on a talk show at one point, and I was like, is he a native English speaker? Like it's that good because he probably has been speaking English virtually since birth, which makes sense. And then, but then at the same time, when when they had that that journalist was killed that wrote for the Washington Post or. Whichever, whichever newspaper he's working in the United States as a journalist goes over. I think he was in Turkey when he was killed, and it's you know ninety nine percent certain that MBS was responsible for making sure he got deleted for criticizing the Saudis. So they're open in some ways, but there's still kind of this restrictive thing. And actually, the other video I was watching was this Saudi girl who had been working and living in London for a long time. She was coming back to visit and was kind of making a YouTube video about life in Saudi Arabia and how some of these restrictions have been lifted. And it starts, you almost get to where like, man, I, I kind of think I want to visit Jeddah. This seems like a nice place to check out. It's, you know, it's becoming modernized and westernized in kind of a neat way. Like, and it seems safe and everything. And I think it still probably wouldn't be horrible to visit Saudi Arabia. But then the moment she's in a cab and she's reading an article out loud about one of the activist women who was kind of an advocate for getting women to drive, who was, who's actually still in prison as of this recording. And then, oh, all of a sudden someone calls in the authorities and they basically kicked them out of the country for having read that article out loud in front of someone who didn't want to hear that stuff. So oh, wow. it's still like they're opening up <laughs> so women can drive, but the main female driving advocate is still in prison. Right. So and, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, and, and there is a lot of... Uh... I mean, there's there's inconsistency in how the law is applied there because yeah uh, they're in Saudi Arabia um, and I thought that this was pretty interesting, but there's no such thing as judicial precedence. So just because oh. a judge ruled something before doesn't mean that a current judge now has to rule the same way. He can make his own assessment based on nothing. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it basically you could have two essentially identical cases come before two different judges. Or come before one judge and then 10 years later come before a different judge and he can make an opposite ruling because it's however he interprets the law. He doesn't have to go on what the previous judge did. Interesting. And yeah. And so, yeah, there is a it is becoming a lot more 
secularized, but like there is still, you know, things like the, I think it's called the CPVPV, which is like the religious police. Yes. And I think they even, um, they even mention it in the movie. I don't remember what the context was, but they, they do talk about, you know, being reported to the religious police. Oh, right. No, but at the same time, this movie's from 2012. So quite a bit has actually changed in the eight years, nine years since then. So uh, the other one is the, you know, the weakening of the guardian system. So women having to be with a man when they're out in public. And again, I think it's still kind of a thing, but it's, it's starting to be less enforced maybe than before. But yeah, a few other, other changes that I, I think I saw like well over 50, maybe even like 60% of Saudi college students now are women. And so it's, they're oh, really? definitely, yeah, definitely a, a shift there. There's, so there's, they're still kind of underrepresented in the workplace, but education is definitely encouraged. Then you get some weird stuff too. So I highlighted this on a Wikipedia page. That just kind of, was, it just kind of says a lot. So as of January, 2019, the Saudi Supreme Court issued a law requiring women to receive a text message from the court when officially divorced, because apparently there was a problem when women didn't even know whether or not their husbands had divorced them. Oh, like just so just (laughs) okay. That just kind of addresses so many bizarre things about their their culture. But again, I just think it's important for Western audiences to realize that these are just normal people from different cultures. But Mm -hmm. that if they were your neighbors, you would get along with fine. And so another book I read, oh, it's probably been ten years ago now, but uh, reading Lolita in Tehran. So obviously that's set in Iran, but it's similar in the sense that. The general population, as separate from the ruling body, you know, the government or whatever, they dig this stuff. I mean, you know, Wadja's making mixtapes and turning up her radio with a bunch of Western music. And then in reading Lolita in Tehran, it's exactly that. It's about a women's book club in Iran. And it just kind of was an eye opener to me that, you know, they're wearing their full hijabs and everything out on the street but then underneath they're wearing you know acid wash jeans and got their nails painted and they're talking about western literature and it's all just kind of like what the state allows versus who the people actually are do you watch uh hot ones interviews on youtube with with sean evans i've never heard of that it's a he's the guy who does like celebrity interviews um where they eat the hot wings Oh, okay. And they, I have seen and those. They, okay. they get progressively hotter as I go along. Anyway, he I've was seen doing... one, I've seen one or two of those. Yeah. Okay. Did, have you seen the one with um, with Henry Rollins? I don't think so. Okay, so he in I've the only one seen a couple. With, in the one with Henry Rollins, one of the things that he asks him is he they're talking about like places that he's been, and he I, I don't remember exactly what the question was, but it's like what was the most eye opening place or like your you know your favorite trip you know that you've been on. He says Tehran and obviously we're talking about Saudi Arabia in this episode but um, this kind of goes with what you were talking about reading Lolita in Tehran is he talked about how he went to Tehran and just interacting with normal people there and you know obviously he's like big muscly white guy with a bunch of tattoos so people come up and talk to him like uh, who, who are you what are you doing here he's like, oh you know I'm I'm Henry Rollins I've always wanted to come to Tehran so I'm here and you know just talking to him about like uh and they you know people would say stuff to him like oh you know please don't please don't come and kill us americans and uh he would say <laughs> oh you know they, they you know talk about things they have in common and he would ask them stuff like you know what about your government and they would say well what about your government and, exactly and so people are people right and so it was kind of eye opening to him you know that that kind of that relationship i guess where yeah, people are people, and a lot of times from 
the other side of the world, we view a certain country or a certain culture by like the people who are controlling it and, you know, how we stereotype them versus, you know, people then they do the same thing to us. Correct. Correct. And it's uh, when you actually meet people from from other cultures, you do kind of realize you have a lot more common ground than than you would have previously thought. And a lot of times more in common than not in common. Right. Like the people in Saudi Arabia in Iran are watching Game of Thrones and talking about it. Like it's there's this American culture is just pervasive throughout the world. And yes, some regimes try to silence it maybe and be a little more traditional, but the actual people on the ground eat that stuff up just like we do have the same conversations we do about, you know, did you see last night's episode? Or have you seen that new movie? Or have you heard that new song? Like it's worldwide. And it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's a reminder we constantly need. And I wish more people were kind of just more, it's open-minded to other cultures not being as different right. as you think when it comes and down to what matters. That's not to say that it's that it's not okay to criticize bad ideas. No, right. Like obviously, if you know there are things that other countries and other cultures do and support that are objectively bad and wrong, but just because there are certain people that do bad things inside of a culture doesn't mean that everyone in that culture agrees with it or that everyone in that culture is all bad and wrong. Right, right. It, it's it's all complicated. There's shades, shades of gray and just, mm-hmm. and just the, the power of tradition, which we see that in our own country too, where it's like, well, why is this done that way? I don't know. We've just always done it that way. And maybe someone from the outside looking in, or again, say like if Hindus, you know, consider cows more sacred than we do they just think it's absolutely obscene that we're eating hamburgers but they also understand that we can be good people and have a conversation with them and we just do this thing that they find repulsive or unacceptable mm-hmm. and but it's it's complicated but there's, uh, there's a lot of interesting good people out there that we should try to have good relationships with so i think that's probably a good way to sum up this episode on saudi arabia with a little dash of iran for you <laughs> so Next week, we will be dealing with an American story, but one that will kind of represent the internet age that we are currently living in and will be for the foreseeable future with 2010's The Social Network. <laughs>